This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is Dr. Katherine Schneider, and Dr. Schneider is a retired clinical psychologist with the University of Wisconsin, and she also has been partnered with a guide dog for over 39 years. So we're really excited about talking to Dr. Schneider about her experiences with the guide dog and also the work that she's been doing. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Dr. Katherine Schneider to the show. Sit, stay, we'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Today, our guest is Dr. Katherine Schneider, as I like to call her, Kathy. So, hello, Kathy, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm so excited that you could be here. We've got so much to talk about today, and I guess I'd just like to start, Kathy, by asking you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your experiences, both professionally and personally. I'm a retired clinical psychologist, as you mentioned, and I've had seeing eye dogs for 39 years. I've had eight dogs, and I am just about ready to go off and train with my ninth dog. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey in that. I mean, I know that you've done a lot of writing and about your experiences, so tell us some of what you've worked on, Kathy. My writing, in addition to professional stuff, uh, I wrote a memoir, I've written a children's book. I'm very interested in grief and loss and dealing with the loss of assistance dogs, partially triggered by my own personal experiences of having to retire eight dogs. So I guess I have personal and professional interest in the subject. 
I know. Well, you know, we always think about when we get an assistance dog, we think about that meeting when they're young and when they're first starting out with their career. But there's not a lot out there about when they have to be retired and when we ultimately lose them to death. And so I'm so excited that you could be with us today to talk about that because I think that is such an important piece of the life cycle of having an assistance dog. It's part of the joy and the sorrow that comes with that. Yeah, there's an association for pet loss bereavement that deals with pet loss, and there's some very good books out about pet loss, but assistance dog loss takes that to a new level, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, you wrote a wonderful article for the Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness called The Winding Valley of Grief, which was awesome about when a service dog retires and dies. Tell us about that and what you were thinking when you wrote that article. I borrowed the concept of a winding valley from C.S. Lewis, who wrote about grief as a winding valley when his wife died. And I thought, oh, this is so true with service dog retirement and loss because you keep moving on your journey and it's not a simple going through stages because sometimes you find yourself in the same place, but maybe just a little different and it really is a winding valley. Yeah, it is. I have to say, when I lost my first dog, Ramona, I was not at all prepared for the level of grief. Both when she was retired and when she passed away, I was not at all prepared for how that was going to feel and the emotions that I'd go through. I could only liken it to I felt like I was becoming disabled all over again, losing her because she had been such a great physical attribute for me. And then to lose her, I felt like I was losing my abilities again. I was surprised, too, about the fact that there are really three goodbyes in the loss. There's a decision-making when you finally come to terms with, yep, got to retire the assistance dog. Then there's a working relationship when you actually do the retiring, that goodbye, and then there's the goodbye of death. So you might think, oh, I'll get it done once, but you sometimes get to do it more than once. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and I I think that although our agencies, you know, do such a great job in working with us, it seemed like to me that that was a point when I was really felt isolated when I was going through some of that. Not all of it, but some of it, because it, it is such a, it's a devastating experience, or at least it was for me. I've gone through it only twice, and both times it was it was very painful and very difficult. Well, I've been through it seven times, and now oh. I'll do it an eighth time, and you know what to expect, but everyone's different, just like every dog is different, and it's hard every time. Yeah. What have you found, Kathy, that's helped you to get through this? Because I always question, should I get another assistance dog because it's so painful? So what have you done to get through it? Well, I think sometimes rituals may be helpful, like a retirement party, writing a biography for the next family if you're going to outplace your dog, doing last special things together, a memorial contribution to the school when it dies. Other people help me get through it. The kind of people who ask, how are you doing with the transition? How can I help? Not the kind of people that say, oh, I liked your old dog better or 
boy, you're hard on your dogs. You have a lot of them or, you know, those kinds of goofy comments that sometimes people make when they don't know what else to say. Yeah. People just plain showing up with food or just showing up and saying, let me sit with you. People who recognize that this is a loss and should be treated, I don't know, like a a divorce, a death, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I I agree with that. And I know when I lost Ramona, I got flowers from people. And at first I was like, wow, but that was so beautiful. And that meant so much to me that they had had treated it like it was a death of a family member. And it was really, I really appreciated that. It was very beautiful. And and the cards and like you said, the donations to different organizations. And I, I just thought that was so touching. Yeah, I think some people really get it, and sometimes it is the animal people who really get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with, because I know you just shared with us that you're retiring your eighth dog, and you're going for your ninth dog. How do you work through the retirement piece if you don't keep the dog yourself? I considered why keep, why not keep, and I decided that really... You know, the dog's needs come first, and if somebody could provide it a better opportunity to be a community member than I could, that then I'd retire her. So first I spread the word among friends of friends, and my veterinarian spread the word, etc., and nothing was coming of that. So then I contacted the local television stations, and I was on TV with my dog talking about it, and I got... 25 responses, 10 of which turned into good, solid leads that I interviewed the people on the phone, and then I interviewed a few of them, too, and then we spent some time in a couple different homes to decide where does this dog's needs and abilities fit, and she's found a very good home, so then the day before, I go out to train with new dog, which I call young and foolish, because uh, it will be compared to her. Yes, it will. Yes. (laughs) I I take my current dog to their retirement home with a bag of stuff and so far at least two pages of advice and information for the next owner. Mm Mm-hmm. And so did you say that you're doing that before you're leaving to go to training? Right. I do it the day before. The day before. Wow. Wow. And when are you leaving? On the 30th. Yeah, I was going to say, you're leaving really soon. So, wow. Wow, that's really tough, Kathy. Well, that's so beautiful. And what a great idea to put it out to the whole community that way and cast your net further so you could really get the best home possible. Yeah, I was very impressed with the people that came forward and said they would love to provide a home for my dog. Yeah, that's wonderful. So will you still get to see her after she goes to her new home? Uh, That'll be up to the new home. I will definitely wait, oh, probably at least six weeks because I want to be sure she's firmly settled. When I've gone back and visited retired guide dogs, I found that I had waited long enough. They were very glad to see me, and they were also very glad to be retired. They had hobbies like 
going out in the backyard and trying to catch the squirrels and <laughs> things like that that they knew they knew me they knew what that new dog with me was and they kind of said ha ha you got to work i'm retired <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I can imagine that. That's what my first dog did. She was like, woohoo, what took you so long when Morgan showed up? <laughs> but she didn't feel good. You know, she had some health issues. Mm-hmm. So I could understand her being that way. But then Morgan, when Whistle showed up, was like, kept telling Whistle that he was a foster dog and would be leaving any day. You know, Morgan, <laughs> Morgan did not want to give up his job at all. And I mean, until the very end he still was wearing his backpack even though he physically he was blind and he was deaf he still wanted to work every day it was very different yeah my current dog is in a similar kind of a situation where she's young she has a health problem that she has to retire but at the same time she still wants to work her next family is probably going to work on having her become a therapy dog to go into nursing homes, which I think will be great. Oh, that's wonderful. She's she is a worker and she enjoys that. And being mm-hmm. out in the community is important. It is. It is that social interaction. First, but like you said, it depends on the dog and yeah. it depends on their situation. But that's fabulous that they're going to let her have another job where she can bring a lot of joy to a lot of other people. That's so mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and keep visiting with Dr. Kathy Snyder in just a moment. So come right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Dr. Kathy Schneider and talking about a difficult subject, which is retiring and the ultimate death of our assistance dogs and how to get through that. And I know we've been talking about your situation, Kathy, with you retiring your dog and you're going here soon to get your ninth dog. But you, you talk about second dog syndrome. Tell us about what is that? Second dog syndrome, and it doesn't always happen with the second dog, but it often does. If number one was good, of course you compare the next one. And number two doesn't stack up, especially right at the beginning. And if number one didn't work well, 
then you have it all set up in your mind about, oh, the next one I'm going to do this and this and this differently. And so second dog syndrome is basically the normal, natural comparing that people do. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times people feel guilty and they say, oh, shouldn't compare. Well, okay, we do. And <laughs> give yourself permission. I often call the next dog young and foolish because I want to remind myself that they are young, younger yes. than that retired yes. <laughs> dog. And also, I'm older and less flexible. Yep, yep. First dog changed your life. You can't expect that out of the next dog. I think it helps that you just give yourself permission, say, okay. I'm doing second dog syndrome right now (laughs) and kind of start to say, and yes, first dog was wonderful in this way and second dog is wonderful in this way. Now, sometimes, especially when you're just starting, the most wonderful thing about second dog may be when they're asleep and (laughs) they're not causing you any trouble. (laughs) It'll grow to where you say, oh, yes, first dog was wonderful. Now, first dog also becomes more saintly the longer they're gone. That's right. (laughs) And also in other people's minds, too. Oh, your first dog would never have done that. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, saint first dog. That's great. Mm -hmm. And second dog someday will be saint second dog. Give it time. It's so true. Yeah, you are, boy, you're speaking the truth. It is so true. You got a big heart. Each one of them can be right in the middle of it. Yeah. Just like kids, they're all different. Yeah. And it's work. You know, that's the thing that I'm always surprised about is how much work it is. And when you have your dog and it retires or or it passes away, you've been with that dog for so long, it knows you so well. And then to start over, like you said, with a young and foolish dog that has other ideas and (laughs) other interests, then it's so hard to rebuild that. And you really have to be committed to it. I know I did with Whistle because Whistle was so different from my first two. And he and I really had to work together to build that bond and that working relationship. Yeah. And I think it helps to remember, hey, that dog is working too to build Mm -hmm. a relationship. And in some ways, I got to be sure I acknowledge they're helping me make a Mm -hmm. relationship. Sure. I respect the dog from day one, but they want my love and they're going to works like a dog to get it and Mm -hmm. that helps me give it yeah it is but it definitely is a a brand new relationship that you have to start rebuilding and and working on and like you said it they want our love they want they want that approval to know that they're doing a good job and it it really does take time and commitment on both of our parts they're working like dogs and so are we (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's why we call it working like dogs absolutely Absolutely. Well, so how are you feeling about your ninth dog? Are you excited? Are you apprehensive? What are you, what are you feeling right now? I'm sad. I'm still in the goodbye stage. I know myself well enough to know when I get out to the school and when I meet young and foolish, it'll happen. Yeah. Sure. I worry. Can I do it again? But I honestly know, yes, I can, and yes, I will. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I will give it my all. Yeah. And, and yeah. it'll work because there's, there's magic in it, too. 
yeah, yeah the dog works, the human works, but there's some magic in it too, and it happens. Yeah. Well, tell our listeners about what you'll be going through when you go to, to training. Uh, it's an 18-day process for people who've had guide dogs before, and it involves getting up at 5.30, taking the dog out, meals, living in a dormitory, two walks per day, lots of meetings, lots of meetings. Did I say lots of meetings? Uh, <laughs> and finally, by about 8.30 at night, you have free time. Of course, by then you may well feel like just jumping in bed because it's, well, it's physically, it's challenging, but mentally and emotionally, it's very challenging. Yes, it is. People yes. say, oh, are you looking forward to vacation out there? No, Whoa. it's not vacation. Yeah. What program are you working with, Kathy? Where are you going? The Seeing Eye in Morristown, New Jersey. Oh, great. Great. The Seeing Eye is wonderful. And will they have you work with multiple dogs or do they go ahead and have a dog identified for you when you get there? They have a couple identified that might be possibilities. They have something like 40 dogs that are all trained up and then 22 people in the class, I think they said. So they have us around for a day and a half before they issue the dogs and they take you on walks and get to know you and what do you, what do, you do in your life and all that kind of stuff so that they can then make the final matches. They have a meeting with the in, where the instructors sit down and say, hey, do you think this dog is right for this person? And I would love to be a fly on the wall. It doesn't happen. They have us off doing some other kind of meeting at that point in time. But <laughs> And, of course, you can tell them, what do you want? And I always say, I just want four legs and a tail. I really don't care breed. I don't care sex. It's yeah. I yeah. want them to use their knowledge of the dog to make the best match. Yeah, I agree. That's what I always say, too. I I want them to use their expertise to know which dog would be the best for me. And that's always worked really well. Wow. Well, you're going to have an exciting 18 days coming up. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to come back and tell us how that goes and tell us about your new dog. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to mention some resources. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we definitely aren't going to let you go yet because I want to hear about your blog, too. But tell us about some resources that you would recommend. For people dealing with retirement, death of service animals, the International Association of Assistance Dog Partners, IAADP, has just started a once-a-month phone call that people can participate in who are retiring or have experienced the loss of an assistance dog. There's a great book out there by Kathy Nimmer plus called 2 Plus 4 Equals 1. It is now available from the National Library Service. She gathered poems and stories and descriptions of training for people with all sorts of assistance dogs. And it has some parts in it about losing an assistance dog. And then my my little blog. I've just started a blog and it's http colon backslash backslash kathycomments.wordpress.com and this kind of a topic will come up on the blog from time to time. Yeah, well, we will definitely put that on our site so that our listeners, and tell us again, that was http colon backslash backslash Kathy comments, and that's Kathy with an I-E, right? K-A-T-H-I-E 
comments, all one word, dot wordpress.com. Okay, great. Great. And yeah, we actually had Kathy Nimmer came on the show when she published 2 plus 4 equal 1. And so we actually have a show that our listeners can access at Pet Life Radio and hear Kathy talk about that book. Because yeah. Oh, yeah I excellent. Knew when- well, it just came out from the National Library Service today. So oh, that's, wonderful. that's the piece of new news here. Yeah, so it's accessible. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. And tell us, too, how do, thank you for sharing about IAADP's monthly phone call. How do people get information about that, Kathy, to, to get involved and to participate? Uh, they should go out to the IAADP.org website, and then they'll see a, something on the webpage about assistance dog loss. Okay, that's great. And I know you were really instrumental in making that happen, which I think is awesome because there's never been any resource like that available. And it'll be great to see how that helps people and maybe how that expands or or what happens with that. I think a lot of people informally meet each other and talk about these kinds of things on the Internet which is great, but this way you can be with a group of people, all of whom have similar experiences and chat about it and then keep up with each other afterwards by email if you want to do that. Yeah, I think that's so important because it's it's hard because, you know, like we've said, there are lots of resources out there for pet loss. And I know I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, I lost my pet and it was, you know, and I appreciated that, but it was not the same. I kept saying pets was a four-letter word to me. It started sounding like a four-letter word because... (laughs) Because it was just such a different experience when you have a dog that's with you 24-7, that's part of your livelihood, that you can't be as active, you can't do your job, you can't take care of yourself as well without that assistance from that dog. It was a really different experience in losing that. There were a whole lot of other facets to it. And so that was hard for people to understand. So I think it's so great for the work that you've been doing and that IAADP has created this opportunity for people to participate. Yeah, I think it's something where people with a variety of disabilities can get together and share very well because even though your dog may do different things for you, it's all about the independence and dignity that that animal gives you and the sharing of that loss with other people who know about it is really important. Yeah. And what would you say, Kathy, are some things, I know I I felt bad for my family members and my friends because they wanted to do something, they wanted to say something, but they really didn't know what to do. What would you say to people, to family members and friends of what they could say or do? Well, I think they can be honest if they see a problem with a working dog and be specific about what problem they're seeing because sometimes people may not be aware that that dog is not working safely and may need to be retired. They can ask, how are you doing and how can I help? And they don't have to know what to say. They can just ask. They can say, welcome back when you come back if you've gone off for training and just kind of an open-ended anything I can do to help. I would prefer that they don't say, how's it working out on the first day? 
<laughs> honestly, the first day is too early. Yep. Challenging. <laughs> yep. And they yep. can show up with food or with news of what you missed while you're gone or something. But just show up and say how you doing. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are, those are great points. And it, it's really just, you know, showing that you care and that you respect the relationship and, you know, that you're there for them and that there are no magic words that you can say that will take away the pain or take away the anxiety and the, and the stress of the new relationship and the work that someone's having to do. But yeah, but lending a, a helping hand, a caring ear, you know, to really you care and, and you just, you're there is really nice. Well, what would you say, Kathy, to someone who is who has a dog that's looking at retirement down the road, maybe in the next year or so? What would your advice be to that person? Talk about it. Pray about it. Talk to the animal, even though you may need to invest in the Kleenex company. It's okay to talk about it with the animal. Yeah, I as love well that. as other people. Yeah, yeah, because it impacts them, and they. They are so sensitive that they definitely know something is happening. So I love that advice. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. I just can't thank you enough for being with us and for talking about this sensitive subject. And we really do want you to come back and tell us about your ninth dog and your experience. And we definitely will be checking out your blog and we'll be reading that and and hearing. Are you going to be blogging while you're in training? I don't. No, if I'll have the time, but I hope <laughs> I hope I will at least get one blog up there about oh, it. Good. Well, we will be checking that out and anxious to hear about how you're doing and what your new dog's name is and, and all of your new adventures. Oh, it's Young and Foolish. I'm sure that's going to be its name. <laughs> that sounds like the great title for your blog posting. That's perfect. <laughs> Thanks for having me on Working Like Dogs. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love to hear from you, as you know. So please keep those emails coming. And you can contact me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. You can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter and read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much for being with us today and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.